You're gonna wake in three, two, Hello and welcome to Wild Wild Westworld. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Ballack. Welcome to Shogun World, Mr. Sean Faw. Uh, for days now, I've been questioning my feelings for you. Ooh. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, season two, episode five. Hope I'm saying it right. What is it? Akane no Mai. Sure. <laughs> your Close guess is as good as mine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've just been calling it Sizemore Explains It All. <laughs> yeah, totally. Sizemore plagiarizes himself. Yeah, yeah. He's just like the uh, the new dungeon master walking through the campaign and showing you all the little secrets. It's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I should just start off with this, I think, is my least favorite episode of possibly the entire series. Wow. Uh, yeah. Bold statement. <laughs> I don't know where where were you on uh, on that? I definitely came into the episode not as excited mm. just because I have no real like it, not not like no interest but just I never watched any like samurai films so I don't like I, I know yep. they're going to be referencing cool stuff maybe that I have no you know knowledge of. It's- yeah. That was a, a big stumbling block for me too. I I was never really into the samurai genre. I'm a I'm a pretty big Quentin Tarantino fan, but I could never even get into the uh, um, the Kill Bill series. Like just that whole thing is kind of above my head. So like this episode was just yeah, kind of a filler for me. That's kind of how I saw it as well. I tried to sort of pull back and on my second viewing and just sort of appreciate the just sort of the the cinematography some of the action scenes and you know that part of it and just try to enjoy it just for for what it was but it was certainly wasn't the kind of episode that was you know showing you a lot of new things or well i mean they're showing you new things but it wasn't like really uncovering you know like big secrets or, or anything like that yeah especially since we had a couple of episodes in a row where we just got like reveal after reveal after reveal this just kind of seemed like a uh let's sit down and have tea episode definitely and yeah i remember even after the 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 episode what like two episodes ago where they sort of ended and sort of left us with uh, them encountering a shogun world shogun world or what have you i'm like oh man i guess we'll have to get back to that yeah you know and i've i've been excited to see shogun world that was like one of my um my complaints about the first episode of the season is that we didn't get into any of that but now that i'm there i remember why i don't watch samurai movies <laughs> they're just <laughs> slow and lots of subtitles and <laughs> <laughs> cool weapons though uh, i like the uh the i don't know what that what it's called the big uh, prickly stick yeah the pitchfork thingy yeah the <laughs> yeah. prickly stick i think we have to go with that that's uh uh i yeah i have no idea what the fuck that thing was like you like used it to twist out someone's intestines later in the episode but uh like it seems like that i don't know it just seems like a very inconvenient weapon like a <laughs> a weird spear i don't know yeah it, it, yeah it's like a it's like a pineapple on a stick <laughs> kind of or maybe like a pineapple core or like some sort of like <laughs> yeah some weird kitchen implement that ron popeel would have uh pitched 20 years ago yeah but apparently yeah if you spend the, some time with it just excruciatingly <laughs> lethal 
Yeah, well, uh, I, I question that. I feel it seems more painful than lethal. <laughs> it's, it seems like something that you would use to disembowel someone and like let them bleed out for three days rather than just like cut them in half and kill them. I don't know. It seems, yeah, it's a more uh, ruthless weapon, I guess. <laughs> I don't know the history of the prickly stick, though. Yeah, nor do I. And I just don't like I hate putting this kind of knowledge out there, but I would rather be shot than stabbed. So I'm not a huge fan of of swords and mm. things getting lopped off of people. And that was a, a big part of this episode. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, getting shot is probably a cleaner sort of thing. And if it's a death blow, it would probably be quicker. So I, I would definitely be in, on board with that camp. But <laughs> I, 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 getting into this episode, though, like it was, I don't know, almost like sickly surprising or sadly surprising how quickly everyone was disarmed by the uh by the weapons you know they they start by with the little joke you shouldn't bring a knife to a gunfight but then like all of a sudden their guns are just gone and like they're useless yeah exactly thanks to as sizemore calls them lassoes yeah yeah is that a uh, a traditional uh uh samurai weapon the lasso I don't know. I just thought he was like a goofy way of saying lasso, but it's just a, an English way of saying it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, certainly. I just don't associate that with the samurai world. If anything, <laughs> I would associate that with Westworld. But I, I, I don't see a whole lot. Well, again, I don't watch a whole lot of samurai movies, but in my head, I don't see them, you know, wrangling a whole lot of cattle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For it to be a proper samurai weapon, it would have to have a lot more like pointy bits on it. Yeah, yeah, like a barbed wire lasso or something. Yeah. Yeah, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I thought that was also interesting. I'm like, well, how convenient that they got those guns away from these, you know, especially Maeve being so, like, intelligent. She was, like, super fast to dodge the actual sword that was coming at her when we, like, catch back up with that whole scene. But not fast enough to to dodge the, you know, getting hogtied. (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess as long as we're getting into that storyline, the whole Maeve arc in Samurai World was, I don't know, like, we've said this before, but Maeve is just too fucking powerful. Like, it, it, there's, she, she's, she was powerful and now she's even more so and she's using like the uh, telekinetic uh, uh, peer-to-peer internet thing going on to, to control the other hosts. And like, I, yeah, I just feel like there's, you know, no consequences, you know, it's like there, uh, she just, that there's nothing to, uh, to kind of like hang your hat on with either of these characters, Dolores or Maeve. Yeah. And I worry that they're going to use that, you know, her like sort of telepathic mind control abilities is just an out for any sticky situation now. Exactly. Yeah. Like that is, there there just isn't anything that they can't get out of until they start encountering humans again really that's what i would think and yeah i thought it was also interesting that they mentioned that the the hosts you know respond to commands only in their own language yeah as well when may first you know tried things out um and that she was still able to use actual voice commands because she even had you know when they first got sort of um you know, they had, they had the, the ninjas appear, mm-hmm. you know, she had them sort of, she said, turn your weapons on your friends, which is apparently a command that they recognize. And then they yeah. all start just yeah, doing the whole decapitation dance. 
Totally, but then that's perceived as witchcraft, and they uh, the general has them burn their ears out. <laughs> so, uh, problem <laughs> yeah. solved. <laughs> yeah, that's how you put them into airplane mode. Exactly. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, a quick fix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I found that interesting, and um, yeah, jumping into that, do the sort of like the the leader of the the shoguns, we kind of see you know cortical fluid coming out of his ears. Yeah, as uh, uh, Sizemore explains. Yeah, he says so. <laughs> it wasn't that this this like leader was sort of a um, you know is it is he just malfunctioning or is he also like kind of running on his own programming? Yeah, that was kind of like when he glitches out there, it was a little bit weird. It almost felt like it was a Ford taking over moment, but there wasn't any like Ford-ishness to him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think he might be uh, on, well, it doesn't really matter anymore. He's dead, but (laughs) um, (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, I I just kind of assumed that he was, uh, um, you know, just kind of battle torn at that point and somehow leaking cortical fluid which is like uh making uh basically i i'm not sure how much of uh samurai world is still cognizant or free um there doesn't seem to be any humans left there but most of them are going about their programming but the idea of the cortical fluid dripping out of his ear might have been uh you know he's malfunctioning and that's why his warriors came into town like they normally wouldn't or things like that um i'm yeah i'm not sure like how much we're still how, how much of samurai is free at all other than the randoms that we've encountered right the um as they're called the doppelbots right and i think this <laughs> kind of goes into uh dolores's thing about the uh the diseased cows and the the flies carrying the disease and whatnot um it makes me think that like mave being in contact with these other people is what's causing that code to go over that peer-to-peer network and actually like you know free these bots because you know Maeve's counterpart and you know everyone's counterpart in the uh shogun world seem to like still be going about their programming even though westworld is falling apart so they might not have gotten that infested code even though they might not be controlled at this point yeah maybe yeah because i didn't i don't know i guess i got that same impression that maybe those Doppelbots are still kind of on script, but there was just so much going on that was clearly off script. I mean, to the point where even Sizemore's like, hey, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was wondering if that was the the cortical fluid was trying to explain that portion. And we're still on the virus spreading through the Mave coming in contact with people or whatnot. Right. Other than that, like, you know, why would you go through the trouble of showing the cortical fluid leaking if you're just going to kill him in the next scene? Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe that has some sort of a, you know, that could be part of the cause and effect of what's going on in Shogun world. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, why? um, Well, I mean, you know, it's a nice little detail that he's glitching, but doesn't really serve. I I felt like a lot of this episode didn't really serve a whole lot of the the uh, movement of the plot. Yeah, it didn't make sense uh, in some regards, just because they said that Shogun World was created for those where, you know, they thought, you know, Westworld was maybe even too tame, mm-hmm. which made me think like, well, why didn't the man in black graduate to that then? 
That and why would they like use the same exact stories? Like if you were sick of Westworld and you paid more to go to Shogun World and you showed up and it was the same stories with a new coat of paint on them, like you'd be pretty disappointed in Shogun World, I would think too, right? <laughs> yeah, I would I would think so, but maybe it's just the whole sword aspect. Or is it like just levels like it's you know that's just playing it on hard level or something i don't know shogun world just seems boring lots of like sitting around drinking tea <laughs> yeah not as cool like bar situations so yeah if you go into this mainly to just like drink and have sex maybe Westworld's just got you covered yeah is shogun world like the more sophisticated version but but then again why wouldn't the man in black like venture over there although his daughter was in raj world so i don't know maybe they just haven't shown him in the other worlds yet. Right. And are there doppelbots in all the other worlds too? So is there, you know, a Raj world Mave? Yeah, I assume so. I mean, you know, Sizemore seems pretty lazy. <laughs> yeah. And what about, you know, Shogun world Dolores and, and Teddy? Yeah. I, well, that, that was one of the things like the, um, uh, you know, like the uh, Armistice and her version in Shogun World, like were completely enamored with each other and they were like glitching out and like looking into like a soul mirror or something. <laughs> yeah. but, or doing like a, a an acting class game. Exactly. Yeah. The, the mirror game. Um, but uh, in Maeve and her counterpart had a little bit of that, but it was more of like a passing recognition. And then we had uh, Hector and his samurai Ronin uh possibly counterpart but like they didn't seem to be exact correlations like they were filling the same role but they seemed to be having slightly different programming and they weren't like recognizing each other as doppelbots so like there there might be like recombinations of characters or something like the samurai might be like more teddy than he is uh fucking uh hector but like retasked with a different role yeah, I was kind of thinking kind of similarly, but also that maybe that just like Hector, that is programmed not to be friendly in any way. So they're both just sort mm. of cold to each other, like per their programming. I, I don't think Armistice is necessarily programmed to be warm and loving. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but then again, there's also seems to be like levels of bots. So like some bots are like seem to be super basic and others are more advanced. So like maybe that has to do with how much they recognize each other. Like if Armistice is just supposed to be a basic bot, then when she recognizes herself, it goes into a loop. But like the more advanced bots like Maeve might have more cognition. Possibly. So do you think the Akane, the the titular character here, the the Shogun Maeve is mm -hmm. sort of on that same path as as Maeve for her awakening as well? Um, that's the thing. I'm not sure if she is or if Maeve is putting her on that path, because like I said, I'm still in this mindset that I think Maeve is spreading the disease like the Dolores fly cow thing. Um, I, I feel like the uh, Maeve Shogun version wasn't really, you know, maving out until Maeve showed up and kind of like introduced this to her. So I, I think that like she might be a a colonel in the Maeve army, but I think Maeve is going to be the, you know, the general. Got it. Yeah, because I, I saw her as sort of, well, one, when they 
go to kill Sakura or her her daughter ish. Mm. Not quite her daughter, but one the cherry blossom that that happens before she takes over mind control. So could have could have moved a little quicker on that. <laughs> but I wonder if that was somewhat on purpose because you know to have her experience that sort of you know that that pain and you know as as part of that sort of awakening because well, uh, yeah and there's there's no reason that Maeve can't bring her daughter back in the next episode like she seems to be pretty all powerful there totally um and yeah that's something we'll probably end up seeing as the season progresses um but yeah. just, uh, well I guess it was more Dolores that was bringing people back but I assume Maeve has the same superpower I would think so I think they're just without the proper tech to do it mm. uh, in terms of the you know the fancy iPads to, yeah, does no one in the Maeve team have an iPad? It didn't look like it, other than that one uh, walkie-talkie thing or whatever you want to call it. That oh, that Sizemore stole. Yeah, totally. But I just noticed that there was some sort of like flashbacks or clips of the the man in black, like right around the time where Sakura got killed. Mm-hmm. So I think that's you know clearly like showing that same sort of role as yeah. someone that's kind of making They're them def- suffer. Totally. Yeah. There's definitely seems to be a connection between trauma and suffering and like true awakening. So <laughs> it might be that, uh, uh, they're letting, uh, uh, the, uh, the new Maeve experience that trauma. Um, I don't know, maybe that's what, uh, uh, Dolores did to Teddy as well. Yeah. I don't really know what was going on with, with that other than it was, you know, the most sort PG a, sex scene ever put on HBO. Yeah, it was a very safe sex scene. Man, um, I got to complain about the lack of boobies again in this episode. Fucking the the episode starts with the the uh, the HBO tag of like the language and violent content and uh, nudity. And I'm like, yay, finally nudity again. And then the only thing we get is like Teddy's ass and some corpse. But hey, have you ever seen anything of such splendor? is teddy's ass as teddy's bonds i don't know man sizemore's cock (laughs) (laughs) putting together your kind of weird science uh perfect robot (laughs) i suppose yeah (laughs) if i could be anything but but yeah i thought that was interesting like i don't know if that's uh i'm like oh man is this going to be like a scene we're going to go back to with them making robo love and like is this going to be the first impregnated host but then it just took a total turn where she just hit it and reprogrammed it yeah but that doesn't mean she didn't get preggers i mean there there is that uh that opening thing i've been bitching about where the uh there seems to be a robo baby involved so i'm not i still don't know if that's you know foreshadowing like Maeve finding her kid or if that is actually you know robots figuring out how to reproduce yeah i mean that's a whole like how would you even account for that or program reproduction within hosts but yeah well especially because they they don't grow at all so there's no like yeah if they did make a baby it would just always be a baby (laughs) (laughs) that's what i would think but yeah yeah so it's a uh uh, i i feel like they it's more if i am correct on that theory it's more than like finding one of the little like ford outposts and deciding to for Maeve to make a kid or like doors to you know design someone new like you know recreating or becoming parents essentially right yeah i'm not yeah i have no clue if that's the way that's gonna go 
I was yeah. also just kind of distracted thinking about like if Maeve doesn't find her daughter soon, the actress that plays her is going to age out of that role. <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's got to happen like this season or it's not or maybe they just shot it like, uh, you know, two years ago already. And they're just waiting to hold on to it. So right. episode, uh, you know, episode 20 of season eight or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or the kid is ac- actually is a robot and just in cold storage somewhere on the universal lot. Hey, HBO spared no expense. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what did I, I and you know what happened with with Teddy then? I and mean, we see him get dragged into the the room mm-hmm. with Dolores to sort of um, you know crank him up to eleven. Yeah. But there's some sort of a mangled body or corpse or something on the table. I couldn't make out whether that was human or animal. Or if she's actually killing horses just for the fun of it. Yeah, I didn't really. It was as well shot as the sex scene. I had no idea what was going on. Um, I, I kind of looked like animal flesh, like a cow that had been like mutilated a bit. But like it could have just been bloated human corpse. I don't really know at that point. But I, I I mean, this kind of brings us back to the beginning of the episode when we see fucking Teddy's corpse at the beginning and we find that he's been, you know, dragged out from the lake. So, you know, that section is like two weeks later and we find that uh, Teddy, along with a third of the hosts, have just been completely cleared of all data and they can't recover that data, which seems weird to me. Yeah, no, I found that to be weird as well. And I was wondering, you know, on second watch, like, is this, are they setting up kind of a, you know, like a Trojan horse type thing where it looks wiped, but maybe there's data stored, you know, in a different language or hidden or, or somehow like where they'll... That data's got to be out there. Teddy can't just be gone. Like that just, I mean, just knowing how the internet works, like there's, there's data doesn't disappear. You know, once you, once you take a, uh, a nude, there's uh there's no chance of taking it down. So right. it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. And bonds like that don't quit. Exactly. So yeah, that, that Teddy's got to be out there somewhere, but I was wondering if that means like maybe they transferred Teddy and all of those people to someone else. Like were those the people that made it to the Valley and then got transferred to uh, new host bodies outside of the park that are being created or something? Or, uh, you know, was, is that just like a way of transportation for them is just to hop new bodies rather than like actually walk across? Yeah, that's a good point, because I don't know if they they clarified whether those third that have been wiped are all in that lake or if it's just the third that they're finding or does it happen to be all the ones in the lake have been just sort of wiped and discarded in from the what valley? I, from what I gathered of the group that they took out of the lake, a third were completely wiped. I might be off on that math, but that was how I was interpreting things. Got it. So, yeah, not all of the the hosts in the lake were were totally wiped, but yeah, that's the understanding I'm going off of right now, but I've been wrong before. Yeah, I'm thinking that maybe that that is the case where they've just sort of pulled their their data and maybe stored it somehow on in that mesh net or somewhere else. Or one of those weird uh red balls that uh fucking uh Bernard stole the other episode. Yeah, that's their like external hard drive for all the the host data that they want to hold on to. Yeah, because there's that um, that like weird encrypted data that we keep seeing that was like hidden behind Abernathy and like uh, hidden in some of the hosts. So like they might have some new compression where they can take everything that was in the 
the cradle and, you know, compress it down and hide it into one brain and sneak it out. So I, I have a feeling that that information is still somewhere. Like that's kind of what these seasons have been all about is getting all that information out. So I've, there's gotta be multiple copies around. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. And, and I'm just excited. Like I was so excited to get to that. And then it's like, Oh wait, it's samurai time. Although the information that Delos is concerned with, or at least the, the, um, the cabal in Delos is more about the people that go to the park rather than the actual, uh, robots. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, up until like right now, I've been assuming that that encryption stuff in the background was all about human people, but that might just be the, the entire cradle backup. That's what I'm wondering. Was that just like a misdirection that we were sort of led to believe that they want that data out from Abernathy because it's the, you know, like all the guests DNA and data. Yeah. But yeah. Like you said, maybe it really could just be the, their most advanced, um, sentient hosts. Yeah. The, the closest to AI that they've gotten or whatever. Right. Hmm. Damn this fucking show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some other like fun things that I noticed um, and I saw other people to do, which I was excited about was just in the uh, initial scenes with um, in the uh, Samurai or, uh, Shogun world where mm-hmm. they ask, uh, I can't remember if it's Felix or Sylvester, if, if he <laughs> could speak with. Them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was pretty funny. And it was even amplified because the act I watched the second time with captions and mm-hmm. They got the captions wrong. So when he it says via caption that he's from Hong Kong. Oh, really? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so that just made me laugh. It's just like, it's like, I'm from Hong Kong, idiot. Like, Where is that? Maybe he is a robot. Right? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm still on the fence on Felix and Sylvester. Like, they're just... I don't know. Like there's gotta be a reason that we're dragging them through all these parks. Like if you have Sizemore, Sizemore should be able to do anything that Felix and Sylvester can do. Right. Yeah. He seems to also be playing a bit of the comic relief. So I don't know that we need the sort of bumbling duo and they, they could clearly aren't adding anything to the, like they're not helping advance the plot in any way. It doesn't seem. Yeah. They were literally like most of the time I didn't even realize that they were there. They just like pop up and throw out a random comment and then just like disappear again. So I, I actually forgot that they were a part of this traveling party a number of times. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And yeah, Sizemore's sort of advancing the plot more where he still has his, you know, some some aspects of humor, but then also advancing by mentioning, you know, Snow Lake that mm. they want to sort of lead everyone towards because that could be their their way out of that park and back to the, you know, the, the yeah, real world that- layer. That whole portion just feels like a cheat to me. Like that was one, I think that was one of the things I really didn't like about this episode other than having to read most of it was that uh, Sizemore was explaining everything. Like that was, you know, what I liked about Westworld is that it, you know, treated the audience intelligently. And it was like kind of a cool realization to realize that they were reenacting the same bank heist from uh, Sweetwater in this new town and that like all the characters were the same. But then when Sizemore just literally says, oh, Oh, yeah, they're all the same. It's like it just kind of breaks that whole, you know, mystique and like, you know, mystery of figuring things out. Uh, if he's just going to sit there and tell me what's going on, the show is going to be really fucking boring. 
Yeah, I wonder if it's, I don't know, I hope they can, you know, sort of redeem this storyline with Maeve, but where do you think, like, I was, from from this episode, I'm starting to see them sort of setting up more of a, a showdown now between sort of Maeve and Dolores now, because they're, they're both sort of along the same path or, or tra- trajectory, but kind of going about it in, in different ways. Like, are they kind of two sides of the same coin, or, you know, are they going to be nemeses yeah well that's the thing like dolores is fucking like an irredeemable character in most aspects like she's untrustworthy she fucking backstabs anyone she lies to everyone and does what she wants like i don't know that she's necessarily the hero of the story um but it seems like mave is a little bit more in that realm like mave seemed like genuinely shocked when uh the um uh, her counterpart sliced off the head of the general guy. So, you <laughs> yeah, know, that from the, from the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is an interesting entry point. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not sure how she got through the, uh, the spine there, but, uh, either way, uh, it was successful, but Maeve seemed, you know, shocked and a little horrified, like, um, but I feel, so I feel like Maeve is, I don't know, uh, learning compassion, whereas Dolores is like learning to be ruthless. I don't know. uh, Dolores has like a Thanos vibe to me right now. Totally. Like, uh, it's sort of like she's becoming more like the, the humans that she's, you know, uh, railing against. Well, yeah, the whole idea of like, you know, uh, a large majority of her fellow robots being completely expendable and like not worthy of the valley beyond or whatever that is. Um, you know, it's a little genocide. Right. Yeah, it totally is. Uh, and I think someone pointed out to you that the blue cow disease that she's talking about isn't contagious uh, between cows. Uh, yeah, that was the point of her whole story was that they found out that it was the flies that were transferring it, not the cows. Yeah. So well, I'm just saying that because she could have just burned anything to keep the flies away. She didn't have to burn the cows. Oh, I see. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she definitely took the uh, the harshest route there. And uh, that's what her daddy taught her. But uh, uh, Teddy was a little bit softer in his idea of dealing with that and she wiped him so <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so she i just... love you but you're a moron <laughs> so here have a new brain that's going to be hardcore was that the first time they had sex i think so i think yeah teddy's been just blue balling it this entire series so For far i believe 30 years <laughs> jesus yeah, there. Uh, it's yeah. It seemed like uh, there. There was some like line like, uh, "Now you've seen me, and I've seen you, and like uh, things are are different, and we belong together, or some crap like that." And then she just turns around and wipes them. <laughs> <laughs> She's just really embarrassed about her robo bits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think she, and that's, that's getting back to my, my theory about the, uh, the opening credits there where like everything is shifting from gray, from black to gray to white or black and gray and black and white, just kind of like all intermixing on like the same objects. I I think that is, you know, the foreshadowing of us like 
understanding that, you know, things are going to be flipped. So when we thought Dolores was the hero of the first season and Maeve was the uh, more the villain of the first season, it feels like that is flipping in this season. And, you know, where we thought that the man in black was like the ultimate villain, he's turning out to be a little bit more human and maybe a white hat in the season. So, like, I think they're just kind of like taking everything and just trying to flip it. Totally. So how do you see the man in black sort of converging with these storylines? Yeah, that's a hard one. I mean, now that he's met up with his daughter, that can go a lot of ways in in that sense. Um, I'm, I feel like, uh, like he said, I feel like the, the man in black is starting to develop more compassion and like starting to see these things as, um, you know, more cognizant now that there is actually um, uh, consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... I I think that has always been his goal. Like he saw that little spark in Dolores 30 years ago and he's been like trying to bring that out in the park since then too. So I think like him and Ford and uh, Arnold that were all on the same page, but like just attacking it from different angles. And so I think that's going to be like kind of a parallel between Dolores and Maeve, uh, you know, kind of going after the same goals, but continually attacking it from different angles. Yeah, it should be interesting to find out. And I still have no clue how they're going to weave his daughter into the mix, too. Now that they sort of left us with that cliffhanger from last week's episode. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we don't know anything about his daughter. She's just like a pretty much a completely new character that's been introduced. So that can just take us just about anywhere. But uh, she, you know, she obviously we have the feeling that she blames him for the death of his mother. Um, But it also seems like she works in the park. So she has knowledge that others don't. Um, I'm not sure. And she was recognized by fucking uh, what's that dude? The. um, Stubbs? Is, is it the, yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, so, like, it seemed like, you know, they had a working relationship. So she's obviously, like, around. Yeah, yeah, in some form or fashion, um, she's around. Or uh, I think some people even if, are just wildly guessing, like, oh, is uh, the man in black's daughter also dead? And that's just a host version of her as well. And um, That would be an interesting theory. But from what we've seen so far, I don't see anything that um, really, uh, uh, bolsters that argument. Um, you know, she was captured just like everyone else. Although, although Bernard was kind of in those same situations too, and they didn't recognize him as a robot. So, uh, yeah, I guess anything's possible. And the, I guess the, yeah, that was part of my initial theory too, because there was the whole setup with like, uh, her shooting the other guy, but the other guy didn't get to shoot her. So we didn't actually prove that she's real either. Right. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about that when I was reading that particular theory. I'm like, well, I don't know. Sean brought up a good point. Yeah, because there was that whole bit like in the mirror with them talking about like, do you think they would actually, you know, put in people and make us think they're hosts or make us think hosts are people or something like that? And then they just kind of drop that. So I assume that's foreshadowing something. Yeah. And how did I forgot already? How did this end episode leave us? Like, what was the last uh scene or like the the main thing that were like cut to to credits do you Um, remember this whole episode is very unnoteworthy to me Um, (laughs) yeah i I think we were just left in the uh in the shogun world there um with uh 
with Maeve pondering what's going to happen further. I think you're right. Yeah. When it comes to Shogun World, I say stick a spiky fork in it because I'm done. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us in Wild Wild Westworld. I hope you had a wild, wild time, and uh, we'll see you on all the other wild, wild adventures and all other wild, wild shows. Uh, we have Text Before Calling, Power Tinkering, Going Down on South Park, and uh, uh, Literally Literary. Yeah, that's a show, too. Uh, you can find all our shows at thefallcast.com. Um, and Matt, where can they stalk you? Um, you can find me uh, trying to interact with people on the Wild Wild Westworld Facebook page. Mm-hmm. It is currently not as wild as I'd like it to be, so <laughs> check it out. <laughs> and, uh, I'll be posting you know all the all the episodes there and maybe some other uh, Westworld um, thingamabobs that I find across the internet. So uh, be a fan, leave a comment, uh, and uh, leave us a, a review on iTunes. I believe that helps their robot algorithms. Mm. Um, to show find our us. show more frequently right on uh yeah definitely uh, uh involve yourself in that facebook uh tell us what uh what we got wrong tell us your theories uh tell us uh tell us what you think 